Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Welcome. Uh, you don't have to clap for me. <laughs> uh, welcome. If you guys are new with us, glad you guys joined us. Those of you guys online and kids are in the service with us today. So that's awesome. Hey, have you guys ever heard of celebrities who died, but the rumor is that they're still alive? You know, like Princess Di or um, Elvis or Elvis's ex-son-in-law, Michael Jackson. Obviously, these are just, you know, rumors and urban legends. But every once in a while, there's a story of a real case like the one that was in the obituary uh, just last month. The news reported that the actor Tony Dow had died. Do you guys know who Tony Dow is? He played Big Brother Wally on the 50s uh, TV show Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, they said that he died and... That wasn't true. His, his wife had only prematurely announced that he had died. He was still alive for another whole day. So he, I mean, obviously he was about to die, but he wasn't dead yet. Crazy stories like this, and you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but every once in a while, like back in May, nothing really tops this story. Shanghai, China, an elderly, elderly man was taken to the morgue in a body bag, and then they discovered that he actually wasn't dead. Um, you could see even in the, in the video, the workers are pulling him back out of the hearse once they realize their mistake. He was moving inside the bag. It's crazy. Um, and it reminds me of the movie Princess Bride. You know the scene where they take Wesley to Miracle Max? And they're like, we're looking for Miracle Man. He's dead. You know, what can you do? And, uh, and Miracle Max is like, hoo, 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 look who knows so much. Turns out your friend is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead, right? And then later on in the movie, Wesley is somewhat revived and they're outside of the castle and and he's like, why won't my arms move? And Fezzik's like, because you've been mostly dead all day, right? (laughs) You guys remember that? Okay, so look, today we're going to be talking about some real resurrections that take place. Okay, three, and, not, and I'm not talking about mostly dead. I'm talking about all dead. Jesus crashes three funerals, and he ra- raises three people from the dead. Hey, look, if you've ever been to a funeral, you know that it is sad. And I'm not trying to make light of, of death or, or funerals because they are tough. But it is very different for Christians because we know it's not the end. It's still a very terrible thing something God never intended for us to endure. And the fact is, is because of sin entering the world in the Garden of Eden, death has taken its toll. And many refuse to even really think about it until they have to. But we can't hide. We can't hope that we don't have to uh, uh, endure it, hope that we can avoid it, because God's word and our own experience proves and plainly reminds us that we are not guaranteed tomorrow. Death is going to happen for us all. And that's why it's important that you hear the truth today. It's for this very reason that God sent his own son to die on the cross and to rise from the dead. His death on the cross takes away guilt of sin. His resurrection takes away the sting of death and will be raised up one day on the day of resurrection where when, when Jesus returns and where we get resurrected bodies, glorified immortal bodies fit for eternity. But what we're focusing on today is these three times where Jesus raises people from the dead while they're still on earth to continue living on earth. He caused the soul of a man, a little girl, 
and a close friend to enter back into their physical bodies. These are the kind of astounding miracles that just, they cause people to believe that Jesus was more than a man, that he's actually divine. The big idea today, what we want you guys to remember before you leave today is that trust Jesus because he's the source of life after death. So if you want to live forever, put your faith in Jesus, put your trust in Jesus. So let's, let's dive in, look at the first story um, where he raises uh, a widow's son from the dead, Luke 7, 11. He went, oh, 7, 11. Hey, come on. Every, you, you won't forget this one. Everybody say 7, 11. And now you're thinking about Slurpees. Okay, I love it. So he went to the town called Nain and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. So back then, you didn't go through the whole mortuary process and preservation and wait for several days before uh, the funeral. It typically happened fast. So this guy had probably only been dead about a day because they were just starting the process. So no no one should have to go through this, right? It's very common for people to bury their parents and their grandparents, but to, to bury your child, this is very rough, especially for this woman who was a widow. She had already gone through a funeral process with her husband, so no doubt she was feeling alone and probably scared and no, no vision for the future and no one to care for her or provide for her. I mean, can you imagine that that kind of grief? Have you guys ever gone through something like that? Maybe you lost a loved one um, and you just felt alone. Goes on to say in verse 13 that, that Jesus understood this kind of loneliness that this, this woman was, was feeling and he had compassion on her. It says this, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. So his heart breaks for this woman and guess what? He sees your tears too. He knows your pain. He knows what you're going through. If you've ever been to a funeral viewing, it's hard to process it. Like all you really want is for the pain to go away. For everybody who is mourning, for everybody who is crying and, and just heartbroken, you just want it to stop. And Jesus felt these emotions too. He goes to the mother and says, don't cry. I mean, Add that to the list of things never to say to somebody grieving, right? <laughs> like you don't tell somebody don't cry. That's the time to cry. I feel like some people in the room need to hear this list of things never to say to somebody in this moment, right? I think we've all maybe said the wrong thing before. But look, some people say, I know how you feel. Probably not the time to bring the attention on yourself, your past pain and things that you've experienced. Probably not the time for that. If somebody's going through it, you know, don't, don't say, I know how you feel. I, I had somebody die in my family too. Probably not the time for that. Some people say, this is just God's will, you know. Uh, he, he has a reason for everything. And I know that's kind of a cliche thing to say. But look, that really makes it seem like God planned this. He wanted this to happen. And this was his fault. Look, there's a big difference between causing and allowing pain and suffering. There's a big difference. Some people say, uh, he's in a better place or she's in a better place. And that is true for Christians, but that doesn't take away the pain that they're feeling right now. Here's one never to say, God just wants another angel in heaven. Listen, 
wrong. People don't become angels. Uh, that's just not a thing that happens. Um, and really, honestly, that, that makes, makes God seem like selfish and needy, like he, he wants another angel in heaven. That's just not the case. That's not um, his desire. God never gives us more than we can handle. A lot of people say this. This is a verse in the Bible, but it's taken out of context in this situation because the truth is God gives us a lot of things we can't handle to lead us and point us back to him, to surrender to him, Right? And here's, here's basically, this last one is basically what Jesus is telling this lady is don't cry. Some people say it like this, be strong, you can't cry. No, just shut up, don't say that. <laughs> because if somebody is really grieving going through that right now, that is not, uh, it's just not appropriate. That is the time to cry. That is the time to grieve. And only Jesus is the one who can say don't cry in this moment because only Jesus has the power to undo death, right? Let's look at this verse, verse 14 through 15. Then he came and he touched the bear. This is the thing that uh, the body would be laying on. Um, And so, and it says, and the pallbearers stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. So (laughs) this guy was dead And now he's alive, and that verse just said that he started speaking. What do you think he was saying? Like, man, I'm hungry. (laughs) Like, I haven't eaten for at least 24 hours. Somebody get me some barbecue chicken, right? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he started thanking Jesus. Oh, man, thank you. Or maybe he was like, Jesus, dude, I was having a blast in the afterlife. I was glad to be away from, (laughs) out of this life. Why did you bring me back to life, man? I was, I was, I was good. The truth, uh, here's the fact. The, this guy is probably going to be the life of the party from that day on, right? I mean, everybody be like, dude, you're the guy that, that raised from the dead, right? I mean, you can't even go to a party with this guy anymore and share a story. Maybe, maybe you're sharing the best story ever, right? Like, I, I killed a lion with my own bare hands to save my sheep. And this guy rolls in and he's just like, oh, yeah? I'm the first guy that Jesus raised from the dead. Yeah. Sat right up there at my own funeral, right before they were going to put me in the dirt. Yeah. Escape artist. That's just one of my many nicknames, right? I mean, it would (laughs) be kind of miserable to be around this guy at a party. Um, Let's look at the next story, okay? The the next one is uh, Jesus raised a child from the dead, and we actually know the age. This daughter was 12 years old, and really that's the worst, doing a funeral for a child. There's nothing more tragic or heartbreaking. So let's, let's take a look in Mark 5.11. And when Jesus had crossed again in the, in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. So, so a synagogue was a Jewish place of worship. Jairus was like kind of in charge of it. And so he, he sees him coming He sees him and fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may may be well and live. So this dad, this poor dad is just, you know, hoping against hope that, hey, this guy that people say can do miracles, you know, maybe he can heal my daughter. And I'll I'll be honest with you, if one of my kids die, you better believe I'm going to be begging, praying for a miracle to happen, right? So this guy is devastated at this point. 
and, and, uh, because he doesn't want his daughter to die. And he went with him, so hope is rising um, because it's like, okay, this guy that I've heard can do miracles is actually coming with me now to go to my daughter. This is good. Good things are happening, right? And a great crowd followed him and thrown about him. And then their hopes get crushed because, what does it say? It says, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. (laughs) I mean, put yourself in that guy's shoes. Like, okay, my greatest fear just happened. And what do you mean believe? Like, it's a little late for that. My daughter's dead. Did you not hear the messenger? It goes on to say, verse 37, and he allowed no one to follow him, talking about Jesus, except for Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. I mean, I can imagine that. I mean, a child dying, that's not supposed to happen. That's way too soon, right? So you can picture this terrible scene that's happening. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Not like a ha, 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 this is the time to joke, but like a, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. You, you're gonna say that she's sleeping, she's dead. Are you a madman or are you just insensitive? Are you a jerk? Like these people definitely thought that Jesus was off of his rocker in this moment. And the truth is that Jesus wasn't saying like, he wasn't, and I think they knew, he wasn't just saying like, hey, she's sleeping, her soul, one day she's gonna rise again rise again in the end no they knew he was saying she's sleeping like actually asleep right now like her actual body and he was saying that he was saying guess what her soul has never been more alive and she's just sleeping I'm gonna wake up her body right now and they're laughing at him goes on to say but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was taking her by the hand he said to her talithikumi which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. So he's speaking in Aramaic here. He obviously, I mean, he, he knew Greek and Hebrew as well, but he chooses to speak this common language of that area. And he tells her to, to, to I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome with amazement. I mean, can you imagine the joy, I mean, pr- probably strangers were hugging and kissing. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like the joy and the excitement and the, the celebration over this child coming back to life would have been amazing. Most of the time, the feeling is the complete opposite. It's devastating and it's inevitable, especially when a doctor says there's nothing else we can do. I, I gotta tell you, if it was one of my kids, I would be... I mean, before I just give in and say I'm heartbroken, it's done, they're dead, I would be begging God to bring my kid back. I would be heartbroken. I would be a, and, if, and if he did, he, or I'd be in a puddle of tears and I would be overcome with joy. I would never let go of my kid again. You know, I'd be hugging him so tight. And look, this doesn't happen all the time, but God knows our pain. He knows our suffering. And 
and you can ask him, you can ask him to heal. And I still hold out hope because guess what? It may not be their time. And the uh, medical opinions are based on past experience, but they don't have the final word. Doctors are wonderful people, but they don't own the final word. The one who gave us breath in our lungs, he's the great physician, he owns the final word. So let's take a look at this final resurrection. Took place one week before Jesus was, uh, you know, killed, before his own death and resurrection. Um, at the home of his good friends, siblings uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Lazarus gets sick, and so the, the sisters, Mary and Martha, they uh, send word to Jesus, but Jesus delays, and he shows up after. He lets Lazarus die, and his sisters are grieving, John eleven seventeen. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had, been, uh, had already been in the tomb for four days, and that's a long time. Right, because normally back then it was very fast process. So four days in the tomb, that's a long time. So mourners were all standing around and they were comforting the, the sisters. Goes on to say, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but, Martha stayed, or, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So she had faith in this moment. And they've gotten to know Jesus pretty well um, over a long time by now. So Martha knows that Jesus can do anything, even raise her brother from the dead like he's done in other cases, at least two other cases that we know of. In fact, Jesus delayed for this very reason, that it would increase their faith and that people would see even a greater miracle of healing than just helping a sick person, but actually raising him from the dead. That's a bigger miracle. So it goes on to say, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But notice, Mary doesn't follow it up with, but I know you can do anything, right? She doesn't seem to have the same kind of faith as Martha does in this moment. She doesn't express hope, only disappointment. But at least they still both, they turn to Jesus, right? She's at his feet. She's still worshiping him. She's still, um, she's still in this, this right frame of mind, but still just grieving. And it goes like this. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And here's the easiest verse to memorize in the whole Bible. All you kids listening, two words. Easiest verse in the whole Bible to memorize. Jesus wept. See, Jesus was moved to a point of tears. Not because, not because I mean, he already knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He already knew that he had the power to do so, and he knew he was going to do it. But he was, he was still weeping. He was... He was um, Weeping because he felt like some of these people thought that God didn't care or that God was distant or that especially at least one of them thought that Jesus showed up too late and that there's nothing he could do about it. And it's like, no, man, I want you to know that I care. I want you to know that God cares. He hears your prayers. He knows your pain. And it's not like we don't want to help, right? And sometimes you may assume that God doesn't care or that he doesn't 
see your pain or that he's ignoring you. That's just not the case. Verse 39, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And what does Jesus do? He prays. Not that Jesus needs to pray, Okay, he's God. He's fully God. He can raise Lazarus from the dead without having to pray. But he does pray for a reason. He wants the people standing by to understand that when you pray to God, he does hear. He does understand. He does care. It goes on to say this. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. People were blown away. People were coming from miles. Word spread and people wanted to be around this resurrected guy. And they started putting their faith in Jesus. This was the ultimate evidence that he is who he says he is. He's the son of God. But that was the final straw for the enemies of, of Jesus. It put them over the edge. And they, they decided right then, we're going to put a stop to this, to this guy. And guess what? A week later, they killed Jesus. And did you also know they wanted to put Lazarus to death too? Like, Why? Why would you like to bury the evidence or just make this whole thing go away? Man, just God's only son died. So he knows what it's like. He knows grief. But of course, Jesus himself goes on to raise from the dead. This is the last person to rise from the dead in this context and, but unlike the other three that he raised, this is the last time and the only time Jesus, Jesus was going to go on and live forever at that point, being the model for what happens to us. See, the other three people that he raised from the dead, they're still appointed to die. They still have to, their body still has to sleep eternally and their soul goes on to live for eternity. So um, their, their bodies are still going to die at some point. We don't know. Um, exactly what, what time these three others um, did die. But we know that Jesus, he doesn't die again. This is his last time. And he's the proof of what's going to happen to us. If we die, our bodies will sleep, but our souls will live forever. And at the second coming of Jesus, our bodies will be resurrected and transformed. First Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for the perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When we, the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal body puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to live forever. Death is a defeated enemy. Jesus is alive and so we will always be alive. 
He is the resurrection and the life. So whether we live or die, we experience immortality. And for those who know the Lord, we know that we're separated from our loved ones now, but only for a time. There's going to be a reunion. There's going to be a time again where we are reunited with those who have gone on before us. And that makes me face my deathbed differently. That should make all of us face our deathbed differently. And, and it should help us put on this attitude that we see in Scripture towards death. It says this, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the kind of perspective we should have as Christians. The big idea today, let's all say it together. Trust Jesus because he's the source of life after death. Knowing that that's what's going, on, uh, going to say to all of us one day, he's going to tell us, get up. He's going to tell us, rise. You know, that's, that, those in Christ are going to rise to life and those um, apart from Christ are going to rise as well, but they're going to be condemned. Do you have that confidence, that assurance in Jesus today? Do you have a relationship with God? Because you can make that decision today. It's hard enough facing death with Christ. It's still tough. I can't even imagine facing death or thinking about the end of this life without Jesus. I don't know how you do it without him, but no matter what happens in this life, I know one day that he's going to tell me, get up, and I'm going to be risen with Christ one day. Do you believe this? If you do, today is the day of your salvation. You can repent of your sin. You can, you can uh, be baptized. I want you to text. There's a number on the screen you can text, or you can come up here and meet with somebody up at the front during this next song. You can find us after the service and talk to us. Ask any question that you want. Um, we're, we're here to talk to you. We're, help, we're here to make you help, help you make the best decision ever and get you ready for baptism. You can, you can get, and baptism really is a great picture of what happens to us. We are buried with Christ in the water and we rise up from the water, risen with the power of his resurrection living inside of us. The Holy Spirit being the witness in, that lives inside of us every day of the grace and the mercy of God. So make that decision today. Next week, we'll be back. We're going to be jumping back into our John series. We're going to be doing uh, a section, um, and we're calling it Controversial Jesus. We're going through chapters 7 and 8. And, you know, the reason why we're calling it Controversial Jesus is because every time you bring up the J word in any social setting, it's controversial. He is the most you know, it brings up attention because <laughs> he's the most debated, divisive, offensive subject in the world. And we're going to see how he's, he splits up crowds and he um, stirs things up. So it's going to get dicey. You don't want to miss it. Um, and, you, and it kind of forces you to fork in the road, make a decision. So listen, if you're a Christian right now, uh, we're going to take a meal together that we take every week. Um, called communion. And I invite you to share in this, uh, this communion with us. If you're not a Christian, I encourage you to take this time just quietly, reflect or pray. Um, or you can come to the front or you can text us if you have questions about it. If your child is in here and hasn't uh, made the decision to follow Jesus, hasn't been baptized, then, um, you know, maybe just take a minute and explain to them what they're, as they watch you, what, what's going on. 
Um, when you come in every week, you can grab communion in the back as you walk through the doors. There's two sides. Open the bread side first. Jesus said, as often as you guys meet together, do this in remembrance of me. Take this meal. The bread represents his body that was broken and bruised for us. And his, the drink represents his blood that was shed for us in our place. As often as we do this, we proclaim his death until he comes back because it reminds us that he is alive. And it reminds us the power of his resurrection and the witness of the Holy Spirit living inside of us every day. And it's because of that power that we're in awe and we can, we can have this confidence and this assurance today. So let's pray and we'll take communion and then we'll sing a song. Heavenly Father, we love you. You're the whole reason why we're here today. It's because you live that we can face tomorrow, that we can face the future with hope in our heart. You're the one who gives us the reason to go on living. You're the one who gives us hope. Um, You're the reason why we look forward to eternity. We look forward to a new world. We look forward to our resurrected bodies. No more sickness, no more pain, no more weakness, no more death, no more tears or grief or separation. God, we are in awe of your power. We're in awe of your son. And we honor him with this meal. We remember his sacrifice. And we, uh, we honor the, uh, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the power of the resurrection, the witness to the grace and mercy that we can go on and live in this power today. Please, God, if there's anybody in this room that is fearing death or for themselves or for a loved one, God, I pray that you would draw them close to you, God, that you would give them assurance, that you would give them confidence. And uh, God, for all of us in this room right now, God, we just we just pray for that peace just to cover this room if there's anybody going through pain pain of a lost one would you just bring that peace now in Jesus name amen